Welcome to the Knox Presbyterian Church Podcast. We hope this is a blessing to you. Let's jump into the sermon. Good morning. Today's scripture reading comes from Isaiah chapter 40, verses 28 through 31. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Even youths will faint and be weary, and the young will fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up like wing, with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So I have just been told something very important, pie related. And it is that, uh, yes, the 237 pies that you pre-ordered have indeed been delivered, but not only the 237, but there are more available for purchase. And I heard a week or so ago through the grapevine that uh, should we reach the uh, sale of 250 pies, Aaron Hartman also will join (laughs) us. So, you know, the church staff that's pied together stays together. I think that's what I read somewhere once. You're welcome. It's her husband's fault. So a man wandered into a small antique shop in downtown Chicago. And, you know, it's like one of those shops just packed to the gills with stuff. You know, mostly junk and knickknacks all over the place. But he notices on the floor, there's this interesting piece. It's a porcelain piece. Uh, It looks like an ancient Chinese vase. So he looks at it a little more closely and he realizes that that indeed this is a a priceless relic from the Ming dynasty. And its value is beyond calculating. And and he he comes to understand very quickly, the owner of this shop clearly has no idea how valuable this vase is because it's sitting on the floor. Not only is it sitting on the floor, but it has milk in it and there is a cat drinking from it. And he sees, ah, there is an opportunity here for him that he could maybe acquire this vase uh, for a fraction of its value. So he goes to the owner and he says, ah, that is an extraordinary cat you have there. This cat, I must have her. How much for the cat? And the owner says, I mean, the cat's not really for sale. She's just kind of here to keep the store free of mice. He says, oh, no, I I really, I must have her. How about $100 for the cat? The owner says, I mean, really, she's not worth it, but if if you want her that badly, sure, she's yours. Well, you know, I'm going to need something to feed her from, I guess. I mean, so how about this dish that that she's drinking from? 
I'll throw in an extra $10 for the dish. Neander says, oh, well, pfft. Could never do that. That saucer is actually an ancient Chinese vase from the Ming Dynasty. <laughs> and it is my prized possession. But you know, funny thing, since I brought it into the shop, I've sold 17 cats. <laughs> the ability to assign value, it is one of the rarest and most precious gifts in the world. And people who live in deep community learn to discern and express the value of the people around them. They are masters at communicating love in word and gesture. They assign high worth, high value, and importance to others by viewing them as precious gifts. In a word, what they know how to do so well and what we, what we want to learn how to do better is that they encourage. They encourage. Today we are wrapping up our Better Together sermon series that we've been preaching through all fall. All fall we have been talking together about how we are claimed by Christ together, how we are called by Christ together, and how we do life with Christ together. And in that third portion of the series, we've been looking at these one another passages, learning together how we are to love one another. Pray for one another, forgive one another, speak the truth in love to one another. And today we close with one final lesson from Scripture, one uh, understanding, teaching of how we can do life together well. And it comes from the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, starting at verse 29. It says this, it says, Therefore, my brothers and sisters... Since we have confidence to enter the sanctuary by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us approach with true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who has promised is faithful. And let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Encourage one another. The Greek word used here is Parakaleo. It's a compound Greek word, puts two words together. Para, to come alongside, and kaleo means to call out. So if you put those two together, you get a really interesting word picture of what it means to encourage someone. Two simple steps. Come alongside and call something out. If you want to encourage somebody, all you have to do is come alongside and call something out. That first step is to come alongside. Coming alongside somebody means that you're, you're putting yourself in their place. You're, you're taking the time to think about who they are, what makes them tick, their, their strengths and their weaknesses, the good things they're doing, some ways that they might be struggling if you want to encourage someone, the first step is to come alongside. 
Think about it in terms of the Boston Marathon. Some of you may know that there is a portion of the Boston Marathon that's called Heartbreak Hill. And it's there along that hill that thousands of spectators gather to cheer on the weary runners, many of them about to collapse. And there was one particular race a number of years ago that there was a runner approaching that hill and he was near total exhaustion. He was about to fall on his face face in tiredness. And as he faltered, another runner, an older man who was a bit better shape than him, he came alongside that younger man and he put his arm around him. He spoke quietly to him. And then together, arm in arm, step by step, they made their way up that hill to the finish line. That's what it means to encourage somebody. You come alongside. And then you call something out. You intentionally look for the good that is going on inside a person, the the good work that God is doing in them and through them, the ways that God is blessing them and using them to bless others. You look for the good, and when you see it, you name it. You call it out. This could be harder than it sounds. We live in a culture that has taught us to be critical thinkers. You know, many of us, myself included, have this kind of eagle eye for finding fault, right? No matter how much good might be going on all around me, I can see that one tiny flaw from a mile away. We do it to each other, but I think even more we do it to ourselves. Most of us are our own worst critics. So that's why we need each other. We need other people who will follow God's invitation to be encouragers, other people who will come alongside us and call out the good they see in us. And that's why we need to do the same for them. So want to be an encourager? Come alongside the people in your life and call out the good you see in them. You, know, you may think, oh, oh I, I'm sure that he already knows that. She, she knows that she's good at that. They don't. She doesn't. He doesn't. Not, not as much as they should, anyway. None of us fully understand without somebody to tell us, without somebody to come alongside and call out the good. We need each other to encourage one another. Study after study has shown that the most effective way that you can help somebody grow to help them succeed is to affirm their strengths, not critique their weaknesses. It's the way that we are just made as human beings. When when somebody comes along to affirm the good in you, that's what gives you the inner strength to face up to maybe those areas of growth that are needed in your life. Encourage one another. Come alongside one another and call out the good that you see in each other. And here's really, really good news. Encouraging one another takes no special program, no advanced training. There are no meetings to attend, no classes to take, no commitments to add to your calendar. Encouraging one another starts right where you are. Husbands and wives, tell each other why you fell in love with each other and why you still love each other. 
Friends, tell each other why you're grateful for each other. Parents and grandparents, tell your kids that you're proud of them, not just for the things that they do, but for the people that they are. Encouraging one another can start right where you are, but please don't don't stop where you are. Because there are some people in particular who often need a little more. People who need a little extra dose of encouragement more than others. Some people who especially need encouragement are people who are in distress. People who are facing sickness, cancer treatments, surgery, people who are out of work and facing financial difficulty, people who are caring for loved ones who are sick or incapacitated, people who are grieving the loss of a loved one. You know, you may hesitate in situations like this. You may not, you know, not know or not feel like you have the the right words to say to a person who's going through a difficult time, but please, please don't let the fear of saying the wrong thing lead you to say no thing, right? It can just be as simple as sending a card or shooting an email saying, hey, I love you. I'm with you. I'm praying for you. Sometimes that's all that's needed. Others who are in need of special encouragement are people who are experiencing seasons of change, people in transition. Think about newlyweds or new parents, people who are starting new jobs or moving to new places. People going through seasons of change need encouragement. They need to know that though the world around them might be totally changing, your love for them never will. Third group of people who need your encouragement are those who serve as leaders and workers here in our church. Pastors and staff, we definitely need encouragement, but also I want you to think about those amazing people who volunteer their time and their talent week after week. Sunday school teachers, youth leaders, elders, deacons, committee members, musicians, choir members. Whether it's paid or volunteer ministry, it can be a discouraging job at times. And so people who are in ministry, they need to know, they need to hear from you that what they are doing, it makes a difference. Encourage one another. Come alongside one another and call out the good you see in one another. Do it because it makes a difference. But there's more than that. It does indeed make a difference, but that's not the only reason why we do it. There's a better reason. And really, it is the same reason you've heard us say week after week after week in this whole series. It's the same reason why we love one another. It's the same reason why we pray for one another. It's the same reason why we speak the truth and love to one another. The same reason why we forgive one another and encourage one another. We love, pray, speak, forgive, encourage, and so much more because in Jesus Christ, that is what God has done, is doing, and will always do for us. And friends, it is true. In Jesus Christ, God encourages us. 
Jesus, in his final moments on earth with his disciples, he told them, told them what sounded like the worst news possible. He said, I'm going to be going away from you soon. I'm going to be gone. But you know what? That's actually really good news. He said, that's such good news because when I go, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit in my place. The Holy Spirit, whom Jesus names the paraclete. The paraclete, same Greek word as parakaleo. Parakaleo means to encourage. Paraclete is the one who does the encouraging, the encourager. The Holy Spirit, Jesus said, would come to dwell inside of us and be our encourager. And indeed, that is what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit comes alongside us knowing everything about us, what makes us laugh, what makes us cry, where we feel weak, where we feel strong, our triumphs and our defeats. The Holy Spirit knows us so well. And knowing us, the Holy Spirit can uniquely comfort us, challenge us, and give us the strength we wouldn't have otherwise. The Holy Spirit comes alongside us, and the Holy Spirit calls out what is good in us, It is the Holy Spirit that reminds us and makes real to us the abiding promises of God. You heard them read just a few minutes ago. Those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. Without the Holy Spirit, those are just words. But with the Holy Spirit, the encourager, The Holy Spirit calls them out, speaks them to our hearts, makes them real and personal and true. And when we know in the very depths of our souls that we are loved, that we are known, that we are cared for in every aspect of our lives, when we ourselves are encouraged, that is when we have the power to encourage one another. So here's our final one another challenge for this series. And it's really easy. Encourage someone, anyone. Think of someone in your life who could use some encouragement, someone in distress, someone in transition, someone in ministry, or just someone, someone who needs another person to come alongside them and call out the good in them. Just do it. You could text them. Call them, email them, carrier pigeon. I don't care. I have very little interest in how you do it. I just want you to do it. Encourage one another. You might be amazed. You would be amazed. You will be amazed at the difference just one little encouragement can make in the life of somebody who needs it. I'll tell you a story about how. It's the story of a, a kid, a kid named Teddy Stollard. And I'll tell you, you all have gone through school with a Teddy Stollard. Teddy Stollard was the kid that everybody kind of just knew didn't get picked for the team, right? He sat in the back. He slouched. If ever the teacher called on him, which was rare, rare if she did, he would answer just in monosyllables. He didn't wear the right clothes. It didn't smell very good. He was never going to be accused of being popular or teacher's pet. 
I was Teddy. And when he got to fifth grade, he had Miss Thompson as a teacher. And Miss Thompson, well, she, she didn't do her homework. If she had, she would have known Teddy's history. But not having known, she took, uh, she admitted later, a certain uh, perverse pleasure in marking all the wrong answers on his paper. She'd put a little extra flair in the F she put on top. But she should have known better. Has she known Teddy's story? Because it was written in his record, first grade. Said Teddy's a good boy and shows promise, but he has a poor home situation. Second grade. Teddy is quiet and withdrawn. His mother is terminally ill. Third grade. Teddy is falling behind. His mother died this year and his father is uninvolved. Fourth grade. Teddy is hopelessly backward. His father has moved away. Teddy's living with his aunt. He is deeply troubled. Well, Christmas time came and all the kids brought in these beautifully wrapped presents for their teacher, Miss Thompson. All of them beautifully wrapped except for Teddy's. His was kind of just a mash of brown paper. And she opened the gifts one by one and kind of showed them around for all the kids to see. And she got to Teddy's present and pulled back the paper and pulled out a bracelet with most of the rhinestones missing and a mostly used bottle of perfume. And as the kids in the class all kind of started to snicker, something out of nowhere just struck her to finally do the right thing. And she threw that bracelet on her wrist and sprayed a little bit of the perfume on and said, oh, isn't this beautiful kids? Mm, doesn't this smell so good? And at the end of the class that day, Teddy approached her shyly and he said, I'm glad you liked my gifts, Miss Thompson. All day long, you smelled like my mother. And her bracelet looks nice on you too. And after he left, Miss Thompson put her head down on the desk and she just cried and she asked God to forgive her and she prayed for God to help her see what he sees when he looks at that motherless boy. And when the children came back to school the next day, Miss Thompson was a new teacher. She tutored the children who needed help, Teddy, most of all. She was by his side and encouraging him every step of the way. And by the end of the year, he was caught up with most of his classmates and even ahead of a couple of them. The year ended. Time went on. She didn't hear from Teddy for quite a while until one day she received a note. It said, Dear Miss Thompson, I wanted you to be the first to know I'm graduating from high school and I am second in my class. Love, Teddy. Several years later, another note arrived. Dear Miss Thompson, I wanted you to be the first to know that as of today, I am Theodore J. Stollard, MD. How about that? I want you to come and sit where my mother would have sat because you're the nearest thing to family I've had. Love, Teddy. The ability to assign value is one of the rarest and greatest gifts in the world. So value what God values. Encourage one another. Come alongside and call it out, the good that you see and experience in one another. It just might change a life forever.
Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information on how to get connected here at Knox, please visit knoxprez.org.